All right. Uh, yeah, like uh, David said, my name's Jamie. Um, my beautiful wife over there, Jennifer. We've been married for nine years. Uh, we've got uh, three kids. Uh, Bella is six. Emery is four and a half. And Grady, our youngest, is 16 months. So I'm going to start off um, with a little bit of background, a little background story about us. Uh, rewind to January 2009 um, when my family and I, we, we packed up and we moved to Columbia, South Carolina to help plant a church. Um, sorry. Um, it was a really exciting time. God was moving. God was uh, opening doors. God was confirming His call in our life. And it was a, it was a really awesome time. Um, cool stuff was happening. We found out the day after I made my announcement at the church I was working at uh, that I was going to leave and we were leaving the plant and I turned in my two-week notice. The day after um, that notice, we found out that Jennifer was pregnant. Uh, perfect timing. Um, hey, we're going to go do something crazy and we're pregnant. Um, so, <laughs> awesome timing. But it was, it was really good. Um, we held on to the promise of what God was saying. God was moving um, in our circumstances and in our lives, in our hearts. And so we held on to that and we just kept on keep, keeping on. So... Um, uh, see, yeah, God did confirm um, what He was doing in a lot of different ways. Um, the f- the funniest way, uh, in my my opinion, is uh, that our last trip to Columbia before we made our decision, uh, we went just praying, God, make it obvious. You know, I can I can miss stuff. Make it where anybody could catch this one. And as we pull uh, on the interstate up and we cross into Columbia, look up blue, beautiful blue skies and there's a rainbow over the interstates, right? Okay, even I can catch that one. I think you're saying yes. I, I'm not I'm not the brightest kid, but I think you're saying yes. So we had confirmation. It was fun. It was a great time. We were enjoying life. We were God was moving. We got there, and the people that we were working with were awesome. We jumped into instant community. Um, it was the, the quickest, deepest community I've ever been a part of. It, w- it was amazing. Um, it was just a really awesome time. Uh, it was a real highlight of our life. So you may be noticing I'm using a lot of past tense words. <laughs> and I'm up here and you guys have seen me around. So you're like, wait a second. Awesome stuff, but there's a lot of past tense. What's going on here? So let's get to the second part of the story. Um, about four months in um, to the church plant, the pastor, that, the lead pastor we were working with um, started making some decisions and wanted to change some of the focus and some of the way we were doing what we were doing, um, which to us, we couldn't go along with. We felt like God put a big red flag for us. Not judging what he did, but for us, there was a big red flag there. And brought it to him, talked about it, and uh, didn't really want to hear it. Um, It was kind of left to either you get on board or you can go where you want to go. But this is what we're doing. So we were kind of at a a fun crossroads. Uh, We're about six weeks away from having a baby um, in a a new city. And this is the only, this is, well, I had another job. I had a construction job. But this is the only place that we have. But we can't stay here if this goes through. But we have no clue where we're going to go. But uh, we had to hold on to um, God saying no to our situation, being there any longer. So we just, we left. We came back We came back here. This is hometown area for us. We came back here. Um, and about, it was, like I said, it was about six weeks before Grady was born. And um, I, like I mentioned a second ago, I did have a job in Columbia. So I got to commute back and forth. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I was commuting back and forth during the week to work there, hoping I would find something around here, hoping that would all work out. Uh, well, Grady's birthday, it was C-section, so we kind of had a heads up. It's not like we just knew when the birth was happening. It was a C-section. So that date came, so I quit my job in Columbia, and we just moved here and just wait to see what happens. Um, 
<clears throat> so, but part of the time, a little, another little caveat here, is part of that time when I was four hours away from Jennifer and the kids, um, our, our, we only went down to one car. <laughs> one car broke. So I'm in Columbia with the car, and my super pregnant wife and my two little kids are here without the car. So another awesome situation, as you can imagine. Uh, my, my poor wife had to, while she was the same pregnancy, she had to pack up and move three different times. So, 26-foot U-Haul, pack it up, move it again. Oh, no, nope, okay, let's pack it up, move it again. Oh, no, nope, let's pack it up, move it again. So, that was awesome, and she still loves me, so that's a testament to her. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, they were stuck here, um, and we're coming back, and it was just like, we just looked at each other, and was like, what just happened? God, what, in, what, I don't even know how to ask the question. What just happened? We We, we were so... We felt like someone had literally, literally pulled the rug out from underneath us, and we were sitting flat on our back, going, "Uh." That's all we could couldn't even ask a question. We were just there, going, "Uh." So, um, that that was that was a wild time. Um, so, how do you do deal with feeling like the rug's been pulled out from underneath you? Well, um, we're going to we're starting in Mark. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go. If you've got your Bibles, open it up and go to Mark one, nine through thirteen. Um, we're going to. Y'all know we just got through going through Colossians. Now we're going to start going through Mark, and I'm up first. So, anyways, if you'll uh, open up your Bibles to Mark one nine through thirteen, um, I'd like to read that. It's up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open, the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven. Said, uh, voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Now, I don't know about you. If I could pick a moment to have, that's probably it. In front of everyone hearing God audibly from the skies say, I love you. You're my Son. I'm so pleased with you. So that, that's a pretty good, pretty good day. Um, next verse. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Okay. Awesomeness quotient is going down a little bit. Um, and there, and he was there in the wilderness forty days. Okay, even further down, being tempted by Satan. Okay, even further down, and he was with the wild animals, and he was, and the angels were ministering to him. Pretty drastic change there. Um, one minute Jesus, Jesus sees the heavens open. He hears, he sees the, the Spirit descend on him. He hears a voice from heaven that's God saying, "I love you. You're my son, and I'm pleased with you." And then immediately, he's driven out into the wilderness alone to be tempted by Satan for 40 days during a fast. In case you're unsure, a fast means no food. So that's 40 days of no food. That's not good. Um, how do you go through something like that? Um, I think there's three things that we can pull out of the Scripture that will help us when we face times like this because we're all going to face times like this. The first one is um, know your identity. God had just told Jesus, you're my son. With you, I'm well pleased. Jesus knew who he was. He knew that he was the Son of God and that he had been declared as such by before all. He knew that God was pleased with him, even though he hadn't started his public ministry yet. He hadn't done the good works that we read about later in the chapter. He hadn't done those yet. So at the very beginning, God's declaring his pleasure with him and that he loves him. So it's not about what he does. It's, it's who he is. Um, you may be tempted to think, well, yeah, that's, that's Jesus. He's, he's kind of God. So he probably gets that a little bit better than I do. But the thing that I want you to remember um, is that Scripture clearly clearly tells us 
that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. He was fully God and He was fully man. Not half and half, not part of this, part of that, but totally and totally. So when He was here on earth, He was operating out of His human nature. And so He felt like we feel. He, he went through all the same things that we go through. So He was had to have been confused. I mean, it doesn't say He was confused, but we have to assume He was confused and He wasn't sure about what was going on. Um, but He held on to something that we... We know on paper, and we know in our heads, but sometimes we don't act, act on it. He knew that um, God's love is not dependent on, your, on you or your actions. Most of us would agree with that, but when it comes to our lives, we don't live that way. Um, we have the offer of grace, and we choose instead to live as employees or servants instead of sons and daughters. We're always trying to impress the boss with our works, trying to earn our acceptance. We hide our shortcomings instead of bringing them to the Father. Uh, to be dealt with because we're we're trying to earn our spot. We're trying to earn. Uh, we panic when things don't go like we've planned them because we're afraid. Okay, well, what does that you know? Does that change the way God looks at me now? It didn't turn out the way I thought it was. When we live our lives like God's favor is dependent on our circumstances and our effort. But the thing that we need to remember is that's that's not our God. Our God doesn't change. Our God doesn't react. He is. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. God's not surprised by our circumstances, even when we are. He already knows. He knew before you asked. He knew before you did it. He knew. He knows. So if He knows, how can He be surprised? Or how can He change His mind? He made His declaration about you. He made His... Um, how he feels about you beforehand when he knew already. Um, God loves you because you are his son or daughter. If you have kids, think back to the moment when you're, you had your, your newborn. You're sitting there, you're holding them. It's first couple minutes, first couple hours, whatever, they're there. What do they bring to the table? Uh, you know, I mean, there's future, there's potential, but at the point you're just holding this thing. And there's really not a lot they got to offer. They got uh, some dirty diapers, maybe some ringing ears from screaming and um, bills and things like that. But at, uh, but at that point, they don't have a lot to offer. And that's you know you don't love them because of what they have to offer. You uh, you love them because of who they are. They're your child. That's why you love them, not because of what they can do for you down the road or. What you you know and that's it's, and that's the way God sees you. You're His child. He created you. Um, it, you didn't just happen. And I know that we hear that sometimes in our society that we just happen, but that's not the truth. The truth is God made you. There's a purpose, and He made you on purpose because He wanted you. So He loves you. And if you're not sure about that, then ask Him. Just ask Him. How do you feel about me, God? Read His Scripture. Read the read the Bible. Look through it. It's it's everywhere. And listen to it. It's truth. The Bible is truth. Listen to it. It's truth. Um, ask a friend like to pray with you and, and help you see. Because God wants to speak that to you because you, He loves you. And it's important to say that not everyone's the same. And God doesn't speak to everybody the same. So because this person over here gets this experience, and you may not get that experience, but that doesn't mean He loves you any less. He knows you, and He's going to tell you the way that you need to hear that He loves you. And so just... Hold on to that. Don't compare stories. Don't 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 get into all that. Just just listen, and and God will confirm how he how he feels about you. 
getting the fact that love is first and, and works and stuff like that is, is, is foundational. Um, sometime this week, if you get a chance, read 1 Corinthians 13, 1-7 and just see what, God's script, what Scripture has to say about our works in love and which one's more important and how that flows. Just take some time this week, read over it. It's seven chapters. It'll take you 2.3 sec- uh, minutes, maybe more than a second. So it won't take you much time at all. Just read through that. The second point, the second principle that I want to uh, bring out is to know how to follow. Um, it says that the Spirit immediately drove him. Jesus was led by the Spirit. He stayed in moment-to-moment um, surrender and communion with God. He did what he saw and heard from the Father. What he did was directed by the Spirit. Jesus didn't end up in the wilderness because he took a wrong turn. He didn't end up being tempted because Satan tricked him when God wasn't looking. That's not how he ended up there. This is not plan B. This is not a detour and, well, kind of messed it up, but we'll get him there anyways. This is the plan that God had for him. This is where he's supposed to be. The other, other piece is Jesus knew who God was. So even though it looked different, even though it looked different than he had expected, um, he chose to obey. Jesus is beginning his ministry, the whole reconciliation of the world thing. And um, he had just been in the crowd. The skies are parted. God speaks, this is my son, this is the guy, and I love him. And then immediately he's driven out into the wilderness to be alone for 40 days. Not a super strategic move if you're thinking of like, how can I build a crowd? How can I get the message out? I'm going to say something big and then I'm going to disappear. But Jesus knew that there's something else going on. He had to trust God. Um, consider Isaiah 55.9 where God declares, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe what Paul says in Romans 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be, to be revealed in us is needed for a full explanation of why God is allowing some difficulty in our lives. Maybe it's a character building time. Romans, 3, Romans 5, 3-5 tells us suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. The point is that we're not always going to know why and we have to be okay with that. We have to trust. We have to trust who, not necessarily what. Real uh, informal survey, but if you go into a Christian bookstore and you walk around and you look at all the the, the mugs and the bookmarks and the keychains and the this and that's all around, and you look at all the different verses on there and you, you tally up, okay, this one's this many times, this one this many times, this one this many times, I believe that the top three that you're going to find are Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And Romans 8.28 And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called to His purposes. Do you see the connection in those? They're all speaking of God's faithfulness in difficulties. Telling us to trust when it doesn't necessarily make sense. But why are... why are these verses chosen the most? I think it's because it's a common difficulty that we all face. It's not just me. It's not just you. It's not just this one person at this one time. It's all of us. We all face this, and that's why it's very common to see those 
verses, and praise God that he spoke to that in, in his word. <laughs> we can't see the future. We can't see other people's hearts. And we can't see how God's orchestrating everything together. We have to realize our limitations and trust the one who's not limited. This is huge. But the way you get growing in this is not huge. It's not from zero to a hundred. All of a sudden I'm, I have huge faith. It's, it's the daily little steps that you, that you do along the way. It's the, um, David talked recently about inviting God into the dailiness of your life. And I think that's where this principle gets traction. Um, it's not waiting until you've spent enough time with God or do, have done enough good things. It's starting right now. You know, next time someone cuts you off in traffic, pause and pray. Next time you have a decision to make, pause and pray. And, and do the thing that um, God asks you to do. Choose to believe by acting. Um, do the next right thing. And as these little victories begin to pile up, you'll start to notice some momentum in your life. And the things that used to send you spiraling out of control will begin to lose their impact. Our walk with God is just that, a walk. It's step by step, small thing by small thing. Not a giant leap, leap from zero to finish line. It's the little things along the way that get us where God's taken us. The third principle is um, know your enemy. Um, it says that um, God led Jesus into the desert, but, the, but Satan was tempting him. Um, it says being tempted by Satan. Um, Jesus knew who was tempting him. Um, John 10.10 10 tells us that Satan or the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, if, you, if you look in Matthew 4 or Luke 4, you can get parallels of the story of Mark and there's much more detail in the tempting part of, of, of Jesus and the tactics that Satan used. And if you look at those, you'll see um, Satan was taking the truth, twisting it, and, and presenting it back for um, Jesus to use to meet a felt need. Um, one of the things was, was, was bread. I mean, if you've been fasting for 40 days, you're probably hungry and you could use some bread. Um, that was a felt need that Jesus had. But... Satan was was twisting that um, the truth um, that he could turn you know he could turn the rocks into bread. He was twisting that to try to get Jesus to take care of himself instead of trusting what God was telling him to do. He was he was trying to present shortcuts and introduce doubt, um, uh, trying to make him choose his needs or understanding over the path that the Spirit is leading him down. We face the exact same adversary. He uses the exact same tactics against us. Satan tries to get us looking at ourselves and at our own understanding instead of God to get us trusting our comprehension of a problem instead of trusting God. We don't always notice this. It's very subtle because it's just a slight twisting of truth. And we don't always notice this. So it's important to remember that uh, Ephesians 6.12 tells us, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's easy to get sidetracked and wrapped up in the details of a decision, disappointment, difficulty, and forget to even consider its source, to what's going on behind the scenes. So next time anger, aggravation, disagreements arise, remember to take a second and consider what might be going on behind the scenes so that you can attack the problem correctly. If you're, if, if you're at your house and your tub's full of water and you click the little drain piece thing and nothing happens, uh, 
You don't go, oh, now i got to go buy a bucket so I can pour it all out the window. You, you think, well, there's got to be a clog, so I need to get a plumber here to fix what's going on behind the scenes. Not the immediate problem of water where it doesn't need to be, but how are we going to fix this long term? It's the same way. We need to look for the bigger issues um, going on and what's, what's going on behind the scenes. Jumping back into our story for a second, um, our Columbia story, our Columbia situation, as we like to call it. Um, I had a, had a lot of anger to work through. I know that's probably shocking to a lot of you. Um, but <laughs> specifically with the lead pastor, I mean, what had gone on and what we had to go through, there was some anger there. And I knew I'm, I'm a Christian. I know i got to forgive. So I kind of went through the motions on that and said, okay, I need to forgive. Okay, God, help him and take care of them and all that kind of good stuff. Anyways, so um, I kind of went through different phases of just anger to to indifference before I could get to forgiveness. Um, and begin, uh, earlier this year, I was I was praying and um, felt like this situation was coming up and and feeling like I needed to pray for this guy. And um, felt um, God kind of stopped me and said, "Before you pray, if." If uh, are you okay with praying this? If I tell you that your prayer is the one that's going to break through for His blessing, not that you pray awesome and you're great and all that stuff, but like if I tell you right now, if your prayer is the one that's going to break through, if you're the one, if your prayer is the one that's going to make the difference, can you still pray for me to bless Him? Can you still pray or bless this church? Can you do that? And I was like, uh, good question. Um, and so it kind of revealed something that I thought I had forgiven him, but I still had some stuff. I still had some bitterness and some unforgiveness that I still had to work through. And um, so that helped me realize. And it took a couple of days, but I was able to um, able to get through that and, and, and forgive and pray, saying, okay, yes, Lord, um, if this means that he's going to you know, be blessed beyond words, if, if this church is going to blow up um, because I pray this, I'm going to pray this anyways. Because it's not about me. And I, and I realized that the, the, the enemy was not him. It was Satan who was trying to steal from me and from him. And so being able to get rid of that, it, I became free of the situation. And I didn't realize I was still hindered by it, but I became free of the situation. And um, it, uh, it, God was able to put an axe to the, the, the root of bitterness that had been growing up in me that I didn't even realize. Um, and you know, the other good thing is you know, God's going to use that church to, for other people to hear about Him. How is that a bad thing? So it's a, it's a win-win-win. Um, and so I gained freedom. But the other thing that was kind of unexpected that I didn't didn't really uh, expect that's why it was unexpected. Um, <laughs> I know, brilliant. Uh, <laughs> uh, was uh, the change in our life. Um, our life had you know had some tough stuff that we had been dealing with and trying to get traction and working through all the confusion and questions that had happened from our situation. Um, it kind of felt like trying to push a boulder up a hill. And just every little inch took every bit of energy that we had. And it was just, it was draining. It was difficult. And um, with that prayer, with that forgiveness, with that release, it's like it changed from that that situation to all of a sudden it felt like we had sails and there was wind in our sails. And we're moving and we're not trying very hard. We're not pushing. Things are happening. Don't get me wrong. It's not like somebody stopped by, gave us a million dollars and brand new cars and brand new house. None of that happened. We, our situation's the same. 
So our circumstances haven't changed. It's just our relationship with God and how we're walking, um, walking that out. So I, I know in a room like this, there's probably people in here who have experienced hurt that um, we would probably all tear up if we heard about it. And there's some difficult things that have probably gone on. Um, and to hear someone talk about forgiving, that probably makes you want to tense up and be like, eh. Um, but I just want to remind you um, that it, the offender's not your enemy. Um, Satan's your enemy. I want to remind you that forgiveness is not for them. It's not releasing them. It's releasing you. Uh, it's removing your shackles from that situation. And um, I just want to encourage you, not that you can just all of a sudden stamp it, okay, done, but to begin walking uh, towards that forgiveness, w- walking towards um, offering them something that they don't deserve, just like Jesus offered you something that you didn't deserve. <clears throat> if, if you need help walking through any of that, I know David, Kim, myself, any of us would love to talk to you or whatever we could do to help you with that um, because God came so that you could have uh, you could have life and live it abundantly. And if you're not living that, then um, that's kind of, kind of what we do. We want to help help you live that abundant life out that God has for you. So I want to invite uh, Anna Kate up to do some ministry time. Um, she's going to lead us in that. Um, and I, I want to encourage anybody who's maybe not sure of where they stand with God or um, not sure that He uh, delights in you um, or maybe you're not sure, you're confused about what your next step should be or if you're having a difficult time with forgiveness or you're mixing up who your enemy is, um, I'd like you know, we'd like to pray for you. So there'll be people up here um, to pray with you, and we'd love a chance to do that. So I'm going to close this out with a prayer. God, we just thank you for um, the opportunity to be here in your presence. We thank you that you, uh, that you come um, and that you're here and that uh, you care about each one of us, um, that, that you're, you're building stories in our lives and uh, you you do have plans for us and they are to um, to bless us and uh, not to harm us God I just pray that everyone in here could hear from you who you say they are that they're a son that they're a daughter that they are loved that everyone could get the help that they need to take the next step to do the next right thing and God if there's some forgiveness that needs to happen if there's something that's blocking the flow of your spirit in their life. Well, God, would you, would you show them? Would you bring that to the, uh, their attention? And would you give them the strength, the boldness, the courage to forgive or to walk through that however it looks? God, we're just thankful for you and we're thankful for the opportunity to be here. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.